0: Good morning, church. I'm happy. Sing and be happy. That's a beautiful song. It's a reminder of of who we are, happy people, because we're so blessed by our great God. It is great to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We are thankful for your attendance, and we are thankful that you are here with us today. Let's go to God, please, together in a word of prayer. Our great and merciful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you, O God, for looking down upon us, for extending your blessings to us, your blessing of life. O God, this day is another day that you've made, and you've made it with a specific purpose, and that is to save those who have not reached out to you as of yet. Help us, Lord God, to be mindful of that. And in our worship this morning, to be ever grateful and thankful to you for the greatness of your patience and your kindness and mercy toward us. And bless us to remember Jesus, your great son, in whom you have so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary and who died for us in our stead. Bless us, Lord God, to be the people you would have us to be. To keep our minds focused only on you during our worship service. To rid our minds completely of worldly thought in the honor and lift of Jesus, your great son and song, and praise, and the reading of your word. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. We're going back to the book of Second Kings. Last week I mentioned Second Kings in our sermon regarding the fall, the fall of Israel. Why did Israel fall? And then the The lessons we learn from Israel, um, those are the same reasons that we as a church could fall. The light of Israel was continually growing dim, and eventually it went out. They became terribly weak in their walk of faith. And instead of being monotheistic, they became polytheistic. They worshipped Every God that was imaginable back in those days, and all of their spiritual wickedness and evil just was so apparent, God eventually just wiped out the northern tribe. 2 Kings 17 is a chapter that highlights the reasons that Israel was taken away into captivity, and the northern kingdom was destroyed. Verse 6, please. And the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria, captured Samaria and carried away into exile to Assyria and settled them in Hala and harbor on the river of Gozen and the cities of the Medes. Now this came about because the sons of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up from the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, And they had feared other gods. It's kind of interesting to me that God in Egypt destroyed all the Egyptian gods. God took Israel, he brought them into Canaan and destroyed all the Canaanite gods. And Israel still worshipped and feared the gods that were destroyed. Now, that may not seem like a lot to you, but in that day and time the God who was victorious was the God whom they served so why would they leave the God who was victorious and serve the gods who lost in the battles it's the complete opposite of their own dogma or doctrine they feared these gods and in verse 8 says and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel and the customs of the kings of Israel which they had introduced I think there's a great message in here when you get rid of sin in your life get rid of it right because the remnants of that of that sin those those idolatrous ways they kept them and it's plagued Israel even even to this day so here's what happened 735 BC the northern kingdom was carried away by Assyria. They were had gone into battle. Sargon comes along and he, he claims captive, if you will, over 29,000 Jews. Takes them off into captivity. Israel is no more. They're done. All because of their wickedness and their evil. Why did Israel fall? Last week we talked about three things. We talked about they fell because of a lack of knowledge. They fell because of pride. And they fell because of their spiritual unfaithfulness. Now I want us to go back to Hosea and pick up there with their spiritual unfaithfulness. What was going on in the hearts and the minds of the people of the day. Hosea chapter 6, please. And I would like to begin in verse 4. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah, For your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. Another word for loyalty there is loving kindness, right? Their loyalty, their loving kindness, their their faithfulness to God was like like the cloud in the morning. You wake up and it's beautiful and as soon as the heat begins to arise, the cloud goes away. They, They were like, if you will, the dew that's there in the morning and then quickly goes away they just didn't care about god they didn't have enough energy in their spirituality to hold on to god for the day they served all those other gods those idol gods you know what the difference is between god the god of heaven and the idol gods here's the major difference an idol god allows you to make up the rules Right, you give the commands. It's all about you. But the creator, he makes up the rules, and we have to submit. Submission seems to be a struggle uh, for the people of God. It has been from the days very right from the very beginning to submit to God, the idea of being in complete submission to our Lord the struggle is there, and the struggle is real. And so Israel said and thought to themselves, well, why worship the God who gives the command when I can be the God who gives the command? Remember what God said? You know, Adam and Eve, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. What was the problem? What was the whole the whole thought? Wait, Satan said, you, you're going to be like God. Wow. I can be like. Do we still struggle with that type of pride, church? So here is the consistent pattern of man, right? When you have this this idol that is in front of you, turn to chapter seven, please, and and you can you can serve this idol that you have made yourself, right? And that this idol, it it you know you you do everything to it, you you care for it, you 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 bless it, you you are in complete. And total control and then you have the god of heavens the god of the universe the only the only god and he blesses you but there are things that god requires of us and there's this this mix-up of in our minds right there's this mixture i want to mix in a little bit of me and a, and a little bit of god or maybe a whole lot of me and a little bit of god or, or whatever the mix-up is israel struggled with that chapter seven please in verse eight ephraim mixes himself with the nations, Ephraim has become a cake not turned. In other words, Ephraim was like in this bowl, this cesspool of evil, and, and they, they had made their minds up. they weren't going to do anything. That, that was the first problem. They, the, 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 the cake wasn't even turned. I mean it just it, all the ingredients were in a bowl and it just, it just sat there. And, and then secondly, uh, when, they, when they made a decision to go in the one direction or another, they seem to always venture away from God. Because God makes rules. In the world of idolatry, well, you kind of get to make the rules. And here's the thing about idolatry, right? If you don't like the rules that you've made up because they fail every time, right? We know that. Our rules don't work. If, if you don't like these rules, well, just go to another God, just Go to this God. If you don't like these rules, no big deal. Go go to this God, right? And you just keep and eventually you realize that there really is no end. And so they struggled with carnality, right? They were carnal mindedness. They were so worldly and just so mixed up and they just, they just didn't know what to do. Look, the, the challenge from Elijah was if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him serve him the challenge to us if god is god serve him if he's not church go home i mean that sounds kind of callous kind of hard but isn't it true because the reality is you're just wasting your time if there is no god but we know god is god and that's why we're here Because let me tell you what you can look at to know that God exists. I know there's this. We can go through all the different arguments uh, regarding regarding uh, atheism and agnosticism and all those kinds. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you why you know God exists. Because you know evil exists. That's all you need to know. Because if you know evil exists, you know God has to exist. Because good is the opposite of evil. There cannot be an opposite if God doesn't exist. It has to be all evil or all good, but it's not all evil and it's not all good. So subjectivism isn't a reality in the sense of truth, but rather something that just moves on and changes with the time. But objectivism doesn't change. And so we serve the one true God. Israel they were all mixed up. And here's what they were mixed up in. Chapter 9 please in verse 9. They were mixed up in depravity. Corruption, basically, right? Corruption. There was so much corruption. We look at the government and say, look at all that corruption. We, we look sometimes in the corporate world and say, look at all that corruption. We look at the church and we say, look at all that corruption. Let it not be spoken of in the Lord's body, in the church, that there is corruption amongst us. Chapter 9, verse 9. Listen to what it says. They've gone deep in depravity. As in the days of Gibeah, he will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Turn back, please, to Judges chapter 19. When, when you think of, of, of the text, you say, well, okay, they, they've gone into Gibeah, and so what does, that really, what does that really mean? I mean, how far will this corruption take us, right? Uh, well, they, they became like the people, if you will, that there was no king in the land, so everyone did what was right in their own sight. This is what happens when we live by subjectivism, right? We just, we just do whatever we want to. Whatever's right in my eyes, that's right and that's good. It's kind of where we are in America today, isn't it? Right? Everybody's kind of going their own way, but doing our own things, and just, I mean, we're, I don't even, it's hard, it's hard to think about Jesus in the midst of all this corruption. And the beautiful thing is, you have to force your mind to stay focused on God, right? Right. But that's the effort that must come to pass. Now, look, when we allow our our minds and our world to be to be ruled by corruption, when we allow depravity to be a part of us as a, as a body of believers, let me just show you how absolutely abject, wickedly we can become. Let me show you how horrible human beings are. We may not want to admit this, but we are horrible people. Well, no, I'm not a preacher. Well, let me ask you this question. If you were standing the day of Jesus, the days of Jesus, you were standing in the audience, let me ask you this question. What would you have been shouting? Crucify, crucify. Or would any one of you try to save him? Think about that. And then ask the question, who tried to save him? No one. No one stood up and said, no, no, Pilate, wait, don't take Jesus, take me instead. Which side of the fence am I really on? Let me show you how wicked we are without God. Let me just show you. Verse 22. While they were making merry, behold, the men of the city, certain worthless fellows, surrounded the house, pounding the door, and they spoke to the owner of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came into your house, that we may have relations with him. Then the the owner of the house went out to them and said to them, No, my fellows, please do not act so wickedly let me give you another way to act let me give you a righteous way to act listen to what he says since this man has come into my house do not commit the act of folly here is my virgin daughter oh that's righteous how wicked it's hard to get through this text let, i've got a virgin daughter listen to what he says and his concubine Please let me bring them out that you may, what, rape them, ravish them? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with us? See, if we're not making a stand in this old wicked world, and if we're just kind of going along to get along, we're kind of just like them. People of Gibeah didn't stop this. In fact, it was so evil in those days and so wicked in those days, you hear the refrain over and over again, there was no king in the land and every man did what was right in his own sight. And look at what mankind, look at what we are capable of saying and doing. This man said, I've got a virgin daughter. And here's the man's concubine. Go on and go on and ravish her. Where's the righteousness in that? He thought to himself he was doing good. He compared his good to their evil. He goes, you guys, this is evil what you're about to do, but I'll do something even better. Here's my virgin daughter and his concubine. Please let me bring them out. you may ravish them and do to them whatever you wish. But do not commit such an act of folly against wait because he was a man what's wrong with this world church i i want you to get what god was trying to, to convey to us in second kings and what he's trying to convey to us in hosea church we are wicked and we need god and until we can humble ourselves and admit that nothing's going to change do we even need jesus See, I, look, I think sometimes too highly of myself. You know, I think, oh, I, I don't need Jesus, dude. I need Jesus. Every step of the way, every second, every moment, every day of my life, I need Jesus. Lifting up in prayer to God. Help me, God. Help me to be the one who goes against the grain. Help me to be humble, though, as I walk in that direction. And Lord God, those who are willing to come along, help me to have the strength to do so. To talk to them about God. Have you ever been afraid to talk about Jesus? You ever been in a position where you should talk about Jesus? But you've been afraid to talk about Jesus? What are you afraid of? Well, because we know how wicked this world is. Sometimes it's only because we don't want to lose our friends. Look, this man says, I'm going to do something righteous. I'm going to give you my virgin daughter. And this man's concubine. And you go ravish her. And then if you will in verse 25. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine. And brought her out to them. And they raped her. And abused her all night until morning. And let her go at the approach of dawn. You don't see anything wrong? I know. Of course brother. We see something wrong with that. That's just one sin. Do you know how, do you know how many other things they were doing in that day? And then God speaks through Hosea and he says, Hosea, I want you to know, I want you to tell the people, Israel, that's exactly what you are doing today. You, you guys are just as corrupt as they were. Oh no, we're not God. I wonder what God would say to us the Bible goes on to say in this text and as the day began to dawn the woman came and fell down at the doorway of the man's house where her master was until full daylight you know what happened she, she died they murdered her they're ravishing her a man got up in the morning and said hey get up let's go I mean, it, it showed there was no sympathy, there was no concern, there was no, I mean, there was just, it's just callousness, just evil, just, just wickedness. And I tell you, when you read these scriptures, turn back to Hosea, please, and you, and you get the, an understanding of what God is looking at. And God, as he sees Israel and what he's saying to them, if you don't turn around, I'm going to send you off in the captivity. And they went off in the captivity and was ultimately destroyed. And Israel is no more. Because they were just like the world of evil, and when you read the text, you have, to, you have to let you have to let the Bible speak. What is God saying, right? What is God? What is God saying? The fall of Israel? Yeah, they were supposed to fall, right? Now, now, what's 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 easy is it's easy to read about Israel and say they were supposed to fall. Because they were so so wicked and so evil, and would any would any of us dare say we're supposed to fall? No, well we we're not like them, really, really. See, it's not it's, it's not happy preaching; it's it's reality preaching; it's the truth. In church, until we realize that how, how desperately that we as a, as a body of believers and how desperately the world needs Jesus, well, that's what's keeping us from evangelizing. Chapter 11, please. They were backsliders. Right? Over and over again, they just... It would become so comfortable. They'd fall away. Verse 9 says... I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God, and not man, the Holy One in your midst. That was God's promise. If, go back to verse 7, they'd change. If they would recognize their own, their own ways. Verse 7 says, so my people are bent on turning from me. Though they call them to the one on high. None at all exalt him. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger and I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I'm a God, not a man, a holy one in your midst. And I will not come in wrath because I love you so much. And that, and that what he's... And he just told you how bad they were. How wicked they were. How evil they were. And then he shows you how great he is. And if that isn't enough, all of us could turn today, right? I want to give you a solution. I want to get to the solution here. And, but let me continue to set this up first. Chapter 13 and, and verse 2. Their sin and their idolatry. It was just, and, and now, they sin more and more, and make for themselves molten images, idols, skillfully made from their silver. All of them, the work of craftsmen. They say of them, "Let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves." And it just, it just goes on. This, this, this. We're going back to Second Kings, and then we'll, we'll get to the solution and be finished this morning. Um, they continue to sin over and over and over and over and over. It's like a song. You know, you could you, would we sing that song in worship? You know, we we keep talking about Jesus' love. He keeps blessing me over and over and over and over again. He he loves me over and over and over and over again. And we just keep sinning over and over. We wouldn't say that. That wouldn't be a fun song, would it? Go read the song of Moses. God said, teach the people this song. You keep sinning over and over and over again. Chapter 17, but God keeps loving us. He continues to love us and love us and love us. And we take that for granted, don't we? Isn't that what we're doing? We know he's going to forgive us, so then it's okay to sin. No, that's not right. Chapter 9, 2 Kings chapter 17, the Bible says, And the sons of Israel did things secretly which were not right against the Lord their God. Moreover, they built for themselves high places in all their towns, for watchtower, from watchtower to fortified city. And they just they just kept going. Why? Well, you know, I remember when when I was learning the gospel and I was reading the Bible and and I was looking. I, I learned. I don't know. I started using this word "zap," and I I didn't come up with the word. Maybe someone even you know introduced it to me when I was reading. And I, I would look at it and I'd say wow, God zapped him, you know, man, God killed him, right, someone did bad, Ooh, God zapped them, you know, I don't know if it was because I had a hard time saying that God did it because of their, so I didn't understand the the depth of sin, right, and I would say, ooh, God God zapped them, and I, and then I thought to myself, wow, well, I'm glad that God doesn't just zap us today, because, you know, we would, a lot of us would be zapped, I would have been zapped, and, and I kept looking at that, and then, then I started thinking, you know, wow, wait a minute, if God zapped us, we wouldn't Oh, wait a minute. The world wouldn't exist today if God zapped us because of our sins, right? It would have been over a long time ago, church. But he doesn't. He just keeps loving us. And they kept building idol gods, molten images. And God kept loving them. And they kept building. Is love not enough, church, to command or to prick the heart, to to make me obey God. I didn't say to choose; I said to make me like I'm obligated. Right? In verse twelve, they kept going, and they served the idols. Concerning which the Lord had said to them, "You shall not do this thing." Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all the prophets, and every. See, you know, the preachers, like right now, you all know, maybe someone, maybe someone's saying, when's he going to get finished? I'm almost finished. But he, he did the same thing then, you see. He kept sending the preachers, and, and then the preachers kept preaching, and the preachers continued to preach, and the preachers continued to preach, and the people just killed the preachers. They killed the prophets, they, and he kept preaching, and kept preaching, They kept killing the preachers, and they kept, just kept, kept getting rid of them, because they didn't want to hear the message of God, didn't have time for God. The Lord said, I kept sending them and I'm going to continue to send them. Verse 13, Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you through my servants, the prophets. However, they did not listen. But stiffened their neck like their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. Because see, love isn't enough. Right? <laughs> love just isn't enough, church. I don't know. I, I you know that's the question. We preachers we ask ourselves, what is the what's the answer? You know, how do we get the church moving? How do we stimulate the congregation? How do we how do we continue in this in this walk of faith and be an example to the world? And what do we say? What can we preach? What can we do? And Shouldn't we just come up here and say, Church, you know how much God loves you. Be faithful to him. Stay away from sin. Be an example. Shine light to the world. Why? Because God loves you. Isn't that enough? Could be a real short sermon. But it wasn't enough. Verse 15. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants, which he had made. With their fathers, and his warnings of which he had warned them, and they followed vanity and became vain, and went after the nations which surrounded them, concerning the which the Lord had commanded them not to do, like them, and they forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And say, oh, preacher, that's just negative preaching. I know. Let's get off of that, right? We don't like to hear, we don't like to check ourselves. Right. So let's get off of that. Let's let's see if love will motivate us to obey the solution. 2nd Chronicles please, chapter chapter 7. Will love stimulate my mind enough to follow the solution and the activity with God. The solution. Solomon is praying to God and asks God for wisdom. God gives promises. I would like to look at verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer, and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Oh, okay. I, I can I can do that. Can you, church? You, I know you can do that. So, so think about this, church. If we all were humble, right, toward each other all the time, I think we're going in the right direction, right? We just all, everybody just, he says, if my people, now, I'm going to get on them because of their sin, and if they will just do just, just one of these four, if they will, if they will humble themselves. Right? James 4.10 tells us to humble. Submit therefore to God. Right, Humble yourselves to God. Yeah, it tells us that. First Peter 5 verse 6 talks about, talks about you know, the arrogance of man. But no, humble yourself to God. Right, Be humble to God. It's in the old and the new. If they will just humble themselves. Back to this text now. And pray. Chapter 7. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 12. 14 rather. And pray. So number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, and seek my face. Number four, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Proverbs chapter four, and we'll go. Proverbs chapter four, and then we'll close this lesson out. If my people who have committed sin will humble themselves if they will pray to me if they will seek god and turn away repentance from their evil ways god says i'll be there church god gave us a formula and now all we have to do is get our minds focused right just get your mind set just focus your mind on god Focus your mind on God. Say, God, take me. God, use me. I'm humble. I'm your servant. Use me, Lord. Stay focused. Stay true. Stay straight. And stay centered, right? Verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them in health to all their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the paths of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. That's why Israel failed. If this church falls, you don't have to question, well, why did we fall? And when we look at other congregations that fail, we don't have to question, well, why did they fall, God? Why, why weren't you there for them? We know why they failed. Now, let me close this out if you fall individually from your walk of faith, you now know why you've fallen. Don't fall away from God. Just stay with them. What's the motivator? Because God loves you. The lesson is yours this morning. If there are maybe some that would like prayers made in their behalf. If perhaps there's someone out there that wants to surrender to Christ, Here's God's opportunity, another day that He's granted to us for one to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism for salvation's sake, right? To repent and be baptized. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? Some morning. the the I?